They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. YouTube. Hey everybody. Welcome, welcome. Everybody cri sit down crisscross applesauce. We're about to read some uh, verses of the Torah today. So <laughs> please everyone open up your Torah to verse. I don't even know any verses on there. <laughs> but, Homie you know, Romy, you're coming to us from uh, Middle Earth there. Yeah, bud. Uh, upside we're, down. we're keeping it hermetic around here. As above, <laughs> so below. <laughs> There you go. All right, if this doesn't work for, for for Instagram, then I don't know what will. Yeah, it's not working on Instagram. You know what? Fuck Instagram. Fuck Facebook. Yeah, fuck all that. Anyways, yeah, we're on we're on, we're live on YouTube. Too bad for Instagram. Welcome, welcome. And today, you know, this was supposed to be episode number two, or is episode number two of the uh, the series that me and Thomas are doing, Paranoid American the occult book club and what it's supposed to be is we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna be reading and deciphering and interpreting esoteric or occult pieces of literature right all throughout history but then we ran into this whole thing about the copyright and all that <laughs> which kind of threw a wrench into the mix of things so we don't know how we're going to continue from here on out but it is what it is because you can't do public domain <laughs> occult books. It doesn't fucking work that way. That's a that's like a paradox. Well, I've got a suggestion <laughs> here because I because I think the the real crux is that we don't want to just start reading verbatim passages out of copyrighted books that people are trying to to sell or whatever. So if anything that we're gonna just straight up read verbatim, you know, paragraphs and then sit back and analyze it and pick it apart, that probably should be public domain. Um, but it would kill me if the only books we can talk about were ones that were written over 100 years ago. So I think that for anything more modern, uh, we just straight don't read passages directly out of it. We just kind of treat it as like a more formal book club of, hey, you know, here's what I think about this book. Here's kind of what it was about. Here's the good things. Here's the bad things uh, without getting into, you know, let me go ahead and like read you this, you know, this section out of this page. So that's kind of my, my suggestion going forward to kind of to deal with that. Yeah, unless I, you were I to hit them up directly and like say, "Hey, 
can I get permission for this? You know, you can go that show, route right? too. <laughs> like, have me on the show. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, if you're going that, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but how does it work if you have if you have like the author can't give you access, right? Because the publisher is the one that gives you the copy. Like they have the copyright, right? Well, if they know what they're doing, they've they're in touch with the publisher, and they can, you know. Like if I've got a creator working under me and I'm publishing their work, they, they should be able to reach out to me and, and talk to me. Uh, but yeah, if it's like a penguin book or, you know, cute Mifflin hardcore style book, then maybe not. Yeah. Cause I thought about that. Cause I have a book that, uh, that a guest gave to me, but if I don't get like written consent or something, I'm not going to so just don't read verbatim out of it, but we could still review it and talk about it. We just can't read out of it. Yeah. Well, let's go around the room here and introduce ourselves. Obviously, I'm Juan at the 101 Podcast, patreon.com slash the 101 Podcast, all the good stuff, all social medias. Paranoid American, you can plug your shit, then we'll go to Gabe, and then we'll leave Roman for, for last because it's Roman. I'll make it quick. ParanoidAmerican.com, uh, comics, games, coloring books, videos, all kinds of cool shit, and then uh, Paranoid American on Instagram to kind of see the latest stuff I'm working on. Nice. Yep, I'm Slick Dissident also known as Gabriel, and uh, that's my channel name on YouTube. I also run with the uh, Weaving Spiders Welcome Crew. Uh, I'm about to jump on with those fellas, and uh, as soon as we get done here, and we weave all the way through the night, Saturdays into Sunday mornings, and you can also catch us on uh, Wednesday evenings. We do our thing, and I am also a frequent guest over at the Interverse Podcast with Chance Garton, uh, so big up to everybody, and Come on over, check us out. We got a, a lot on offer, a bunch of synchro mystic wizards. Yep. That's true. And Mr. Uh, Inception is... over here. <laughs> um, uh, yo, what up? It is Mercury, uh, your boy, uh, homie Romy, uh, with the Rising from the Ashes podcast. And, uh, alternative history and things like that have been won. We've won. And I've done a few things together. Gabe and I have done a few things together. It's my first time meeting Whoa. you, sir, over here with Paranoid American. And I listened to the um, first book, uh, Cult Book Club, and I was just like, yep, this guy's fucking awesome. Well, thank you, um, guys. Hell yeah. So it's, it's a pleasure to be here, boys. I brought my full canale, which is um, alchemical and occult as fuck. So I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah, for those that don't know, Paranoid American is our resident Freemason, so we do have an in infiltration in, in the podcast. So that being, <laughs> you got a you got a sound effect uh, set up for I, me. I yet? do, bro. <laughs> Illuminati confirmed. The Illuminati confirmed there, and it, we're actually live on Instagram. So I guess it's nice. working. Yeah, I had a, I had to call in some favors, but you're welcome. Th there you go. You see these lizards, <laughs> bro. He called up his boy Mark. I was like, yo, Tubal Cain, get it done. <laughs> so I don't know if Mark is going to be joining us or not, but he said he was. I think he might have a podcast. Who knows? Mark's super busy, but if he does, then I'll let him in. But yeah, so what do you got for us today? Because I was kind of worried. I'm like, today's a little bit different. We're going to be going around. And I was, I was reading today some Helena Bavatsky stuff, some theosophy and all this stuff that I was reading about, about the astral plane and the astral light. And so, because I've been drawn to alchemy for a little bit now. So, uh, you know, I've been having some alchemical texts pop up and 
you know, just different reading material. So I want to start with Roman because Roman was the one that brought this idea up to get together. And do you still remember how to read Roman? Are you okay, dude? You, you good to, to recite some verses from the Torah? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you guys don't know, Fulcanelli is probably the last known um, great alchemist that we have. I, I mean, like, I, I'm kind of kind of putting together some pieces because there's like, so Fulcanelli um, is a pseudonym for Vulcan, the Roman fire god, or the Greek fire god, uh, and then L, right? Obviously the Canaanite name for God itself. So it's the mystery fire, right? The God fire, the super fire, you know, um, which is very alchemical. You guys talked a lot about the secret fire in your last episode, um, you know, the, the, the initiate of the flame. Um, it all ties in, you know, all the, all, all alchemists and occultists tie off of each other's work. That's what, that's what we do. And we're all in that same boat. You know, it's a different picture now of how things are running and how things are societally. Uh, but we're all doing the same things. We are modern occultists, occultists in that fashion and in that sense. And, um, I also thought it was cool that, uh, so the, the time period that Fulcanelli's from, you know, he went missing in 1926. And his, this is his magnum opus, uh, Mystery of the Cathedrals. And um, he writes as if he is a 16th, you know, 16th, 17th century alchemist. Like he's writing this work before the swaft that came in to the alchemical uh, scene. So like in the 18th century, you know, there was all of this push for, um, you know, chemistry and, like, mainstream science to be what we know today. And it's been a long way of pu pushing out the old alchemical ways, the hermetic ways, these viewpoints, right? And then they folded in this new age of science, which takes the spirit and the science, and it separates it. Because true alchemy is obviously spirit and science together, Um and anyways, it's fucking amazing. And uh, was he a real guy though? Or, or, or I'm sorry, was that his real name, or was that a a pseudonym for like? It's absolutely a pseudonym, and he's mysterious as fuck. Um, there's no like he's either done to be Julian Champagne, uh, which is like the guy who writes all the forewords for his book, but he's known as being um, a part of the um, the Brothers of Heliopolis over in Europe, um, and so the Brothers of Heliopolis literally circle around Fulcanelli's work, and so it's like, it, it's kind of like the Shakespeare situation, where you have this supposed group of people working on these writings, and, um, but, you know, they call Fulcanelli as one person. There was even a point, and this actually ties into the Jack Parsons shit, which is tripping me out, uh, because, you know, he was in the time period of Crowley, of Hitler, of Jack Parsons, of of the pre World War Two and World War Two, it seems like they were trying to get rid of all the alchemists and occultists. Yeah, yeah. They banned they banned occultism because that's what Hitler was was fucking doing is looking for the Aryan nation, the Atlantean nation, the last the you know vril. the fifth root race, right? The exactly. And so Fulcanelli, supposedly the American government and the Nazis were looking for him because he had like nuclear fission uh, science, you know, like he was such a, a, a huge fucking chemist 
um, that that yeah that they had these huge powers looking for him, but he remained mysterious and remained occultic and um, remained true to the true meaning of real alchemy. That that's crazy because the um, like those old alchemists that kind of had that knowledge, um, like that kind of goes back to the, this old ancient philosophy of, of atomic theory, which way predates. Uh, you know, like the, the modern scientific version of atomic theory. Yeah. I was just listening today uh, to the mythology of Orpheus mm-hmm. and him. Oh, seeking, wow. And him seeking the golden fleece uh, and it having to do with uh, a place in Turkey where some mythological character fell off of a flying, uh, fell out of the sky. And I'm thinking, okay. The mythological character falling out of the sky, that's definitely a meteor. And the adventure to go and find the meteor and harvest the alloys from the meteor has been, that myth is recreated in other places and times when meteors fall out of the sky. But the Shout out to NASA. Right, right. (laughs) Jack Parsons. Yeah, about to happen. Uh, ISS, the International Space Station, is Gamatria for 911. Nine one one. The I is a nine. The S is a nineteen. Reduces down to a one, and you do it twice, you get a nine and a one one. Look at Thomas's face. He hates numerology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a nine eleven in the ISS. So, anyways, the story of the golden fleece. There was an alleged dragon protecting it. Anybody, anybody who approached it would get uh, scorched by the dragon. That was Elon Musk. Uh, the uh, rocket name, right? Rocket X, uh, Dragon X, or something like that, was one of the rocket's names. Interesting, because I'm thinking if the Golden Fleece was a fallen meteor, the dragon was the radiation emanating off of the meteor, and that's why every motherfucker who tried to get near it got cooked. Mm. Some Ark of the Covenant style, Indiana Jones. Well, yeah, that, that's another thing too, right? Because you had these pharaohs. I forgot which pharaoh it was that had this dagger that was supposedly made out of meteorite, if I'm not mistaken, out of this crazy rock that they didn't they didn't know. And it reminds me of King Arthur's sword, uh, Excalibur. That was this sword that had these magical powers that you know. And then again, to slay the dragon, the 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 it being the dark self, the monad being the sword. So yeah, that's the story of the philosopher's stone. Yes, yeah. yes, but it's funny. Uh, Thomas brought up the the art of the covenant because what is it that they do in all these these shows? What's it called? Ancient aliens? What is it that they talk about? How it's got <laughs> alien technology and it's all this this nuclear because you see it in the Bhagavad Gita and the Mahabharata, right? The, it's always this faction of two families fighting at the Anunnaki, right? The two brothers, Enki and Enlil, and they have these cosmic wars and 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 there's just a Zeus with his lightning bolt. You have all these things in ancient scripture that points to these alien beings perhaps having some sort of nuclear technology. Now, if it's true or not, because again, I mean, it's all a narrative fallacy where we need this story and we have to, it's, it's also, it's also like nationalism, like my, my place is better and I have these gods. So you need to one up <laughs> it and just be, a, you know what I mean? 
It's, it's like these mm. big illustrious stories, and you imagine that like there's these guys running around with like these armors made out of gold, but in reality it was like um, <laughs> a handful of like ragtag guys dragging this radioactive battery through the desert that's giving them like cancer. <laughs> They're losing their hair, you know. They've got oils all over the place, but you know, books written about them in the future, you know, are very generous <laughs> to, to what they look like and, and everything else. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, so Roman, hilarious. continue with this fellow that's. Very interesting. Oh, Falconelli is fucking crazy. So there's this. Um, there's not a lot of podcast with um, when you want to listen to like audio, audio about Falconelli. Like a, there's a lot of people in other countries uh, talk about the you know his book. But there's only a couple like actual podcasts that I could find when I was trying to do some more research and digging. Um, but one guy, Ryan Singer, who's got a pretty sweet show. I, I think it's called Me and the Paranormal You. Um, and he did an episode four years ago con- thinking that, uh, connecting Francis Bacon to Fulcanelli, saying that Fulcanelli was actually Francis Bacon. And he went, goes down a deep ass Francis Bacon rabbit hole. He gets all the credit, right? Yeah, he does get all the credit because, I mean, right, they talk about William Shakespeare not being this, this elaborate not a, not the brightest tool in the shed and writing all these elaborate plays and scripts. Yeah, his family came from like glove makers or something like that where he he wasn't necessarily an idiot but he didn't have the classical education glove makers did, did you say glove I believe if I'm not misquoting something I believe his family wow. came from like glove making glove okay. glove what okay I got you fuck. I got you guys so the glove is the symbol of the um, of karmic absolution. It's the symbol of uh, the hidden hand. It is the symbol of um, influencing others without touching them. And so for his family to come from a lineage of glove makers, is, apropos, right? right, is to say uh, those who were familiar with the craft. Ah, uh, that, and, I knew it sounded occultic as fuck. Yeah, so that's, you know, uh, <laughs> fabricators. He came from a lineage of fabricators uh, is kind of what that's saying. And there's that's Thanos. You know, Thanos puts on that glove, snaps his hand, and, and it's the uh, Aristotelian touchless death. He well, just, you know, it would have been a much better in an English class if it were Thanos instead of fucking Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> and I'll tell you that one. <laughs> Yeah, because the Ten Commandments, right, you have five and five. You have five fingers on this hand, five in this. And when they come together, you have the two tablets that need to come together. Shout out to Manly P. Hall. That put me onto that shit. Daddy Manly P. Hall. Yeah, the two, the five and five. And it's got to do with Freemasonry. Back me up here, Thomas. Back me up, brother. (laughs) The Freemasons. (laughs) But, but there were 20 commandments, right? And that's that was the meeting of the two tablets was 20. And then one of them broke, and then we just had the 10 left over. Wait, was it 10 or 20? Is that the Mandela effect? No. There was 10 commandments, Thomas. Don't do that, bro. That's the, that's the only ones that he came back down with. I heard, he dropped, I, I he heard that he, the first time. That's interesting. Because uh, I have heard that he came with 10. Then before he could even show them to the Israelites, they were already breaking the law. So he had to crush them in, in anger. And go make a whole nother ten. Oh. It was, but that's it. Either way, he did deal with twenty. He was ultimately dealing with twenty. It's very mathematical, no doubt. Interesting. Mm. 
Interesting. One more, one more point on the gloves. I should point out that in Italian, the word gauntlet it means a monopoly. So really, gauntlet. So a, a gauntlet is a, a mano is hand, and pulley is to uh, manipulate or to uh, uh, to pull the strings. So a mano pulley is a gauntlet, uh, and that's what I call Thanos. I've called, I've nicknamed Thanos and Thanos Fauci. <laughs> and Thanos. And Thanos Fauci. And all of those uh, <laughs> gems on his stone, each stone is just a president that and Thanos Fauci had under his thumb. And eventually he just snaps his finger and you got your pandemic because he's got a monopoly on all of the medical industry. Bruh. What the fuck? Well, what can you say that again, Gabe? What Anthony's. <laughs> And Thanos Fauci, he's got five presidents under his under his thumb, and he just snaps his finger, and the pandemic comes true. He gets all his wishes just in one little snap of the finger. But where has Homeboy been all this time? Right now, we haven't really seen him all that much lately. Is is did the clone go down, or did they the MK Ultra wear off a little bit? Yeah, they've rotated the stage. Yeah, they, exactly. That's I agree. I agree. Yeah, they definitely fucking are downplaying this, and I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm. Please continue. I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry. Well, uh, one, one, one thing that we brought up a while back is a good word for us to consider with Falconelli is euhemism. E u h e m i s i m. Euhemism is um, these characters throughout history who accumulate like 90% mythology that is just based on maybe 10% reality. Uh, and euhemism is a really good way to explain that. Mm. These guys are way more, there's more attributed to them than any one person could achieve in a lifetime, you know? Yeah. And Shakespeare is a good example. Ben Franklin, you know, he just, he just inherited his brother's printing press. You know, his brother did all that work, and he gets all the credit, you know? So, well, and, and he was also, he was a guy that was fascinated by a lot of things. So he would, like, go overseas and see some real cool shit and bring it back to the States and show everyone here and just um, automatically uh, got attribution for, like, being the inventor of so many things when really he was just, like, the guy that kind of brought it here and showed it off, you know? You got it, yep. You said Ben Franklin mm -hmm. was out? Yeah, yeah, Ben Franklin. I mean, all these guys were lizards, weren't they? I mean, at the end of the day. I'm inclined, I'm inclined to think so. You know, Ben Franklin, the word, the name Benjamin Franklin has a literal translation to good brother. Bien hermano is a good brother. And then the line of Franks, Frank line, is the bloodline, mm. the Frankish bloodline. And I think that ties him into Merovingians uh, in a real weird way. Just, uh, you threw his, his links to Philadelphia in there, and you got the city of brotherly love on top of all that, right? Yes, sir. Oh, uh, was it? And a King Arthur was, uh, Dan and I were just talking about this. King Arthur was supposedly had been killed in Frankfurt, Alabama, or something. What? Which is like Fort, Fort Frank, yeah, Fort of the Franks. So that's interesting to hear, like, Frank Line, Frank Fort, yes. like these Frankish, yeah, wow. Because, dude, there are some, like, the, the Franks. Uh, like that's some deep, deep bloodline right there. Like that goes way back. Yes, 
there, uh, there is a, something really weird going on and something really weird going on with that Frankish bloodline because they boast that their their patriarch and matriarchal lines do not have a divine right to rule. Their granddaddy did not get get down with some heavenly angelic being. That does not uh, give them the right to rule. But they do admit that their grandma's grandma's grandma got down with a sea monster. Neptune? Yeah. And that is a very defining line for me. Uh, so the Frank, the Franks were in place. They were German and French. And it was the Anglo-Saxons who came along. And there's a cultural dividing line in history there where the Anglo-Saxons were like, we got kings who got down with Zeus and got down with these angelic beings from above. And the Franks were like, no, nah, fuck that. We, our grandma got down with the sea monsters. And so <laughs> there's this strange dichotomy between the Franks and the Anglo-Saxons uh, in their claim to uh, whatever, supernatural power. All demigods are better than the old demigods. Oh, sorry, Thomas. There's got to be something in there with, you know, comparing the elements of, like, air and water, for example. Yes. Ah, that's beautiful. Yes. I I can dig that. Someone in the chat said, why Jesus was a carpenter. Carp, enter. You have anything on that, Gabe? (laughs) Yeah. I call call Jesus Christ the, the... the core pointing, the core pointing, care painting, carpenter, <laughs> wax on, wax off. <laughs> Doesn't he have a picture like that where he's like pointing at himself, at the heart, and then like doing some shit like that? Togetherness, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, Jesus is an interesting. Um, you don't say. <laughs> of, of, he's an, acu- an accumulation <laughs> of mythology. You know, everybody who gets a hold of him dresses him up. He's like another Francis Bacon, essentially. Just yeah. goes back a little bit longer. And you got I wanted to fucking a. Too, especially talking about him as a carpenter. There's a uh, there's a book that I don't have memorized yet. It's called Jesus Christ, Son of God, but it's S U N of God, and it yep. breaks down almost every parable that Jesus um, is kind of like known for that everyone likes. To wow! Out. But it breaks it out as like these mathematical formulas and in a way that. Um, these ancients were kind of baking in these algorithms and these formulas to kind of pass down. So there was, I'm going to misquote all of this. So don't, don't take any of like the literal, but there was one, like the, the feeding of the fish was actually a way of showing how you could take a circle and split it in two and get a um, Vesica Pisces and then split that in two and eventually become this kind of like flower of life. But all of this was mathematical formulas spelt out through the parables. And there was a couple in there specifically about him being a carpenter. Yeah. Damn. What? That's a sick book. What is that called again? It's called Jesus Christ, Son of God, but Son is S U N. Dude, yep, that's I'm the, gonna it, get it's that. all about astrology and and geometry and well, it gets into math that goes way over my head. You have Jesus becoming the Son and the twelve disciples becoming the twelve s- signs of the zodiac. So I've I've heard that before, and it's funny and you Jesus mentioned the so fucus. Yeah, exactly, because it's Christ consciousness, and it's funny you mentioned that, Thomas, because. Right, we're talking about mathematics, the platonic solids, and all these things. There's a story that relates the these core. So, in the book *Anaclipsis* by Gottfried Higgins, I, I encourage people to check it out. It's th- this guy supposedly did ten hours of research for twenty years in order to complete this book. Okay, 
10 hours of research a day for 20 okay. years. <laughs> so you just spread that 10 hours out over 20 years. That would be, that would be dope, man. That would, that would That's my kind of work. <laughs> so ten, 10 hours a day for 20 years, this guy supposedly, allegedly. And he makes these correlations between all of the, the mythological gods, right? These, these people... And Pythagoras is one of the people that he relates to this Jesus Christ story. It was an immaculate conception. The oracle told the dad, hey, you can't have sex with the mom while she's in, you know, in, in this uh, pregnancy. All these things. Your son is going to be destined to be this crazy uh, messiah that's supposed to bring wisdom to a bunch of people. And then there's a story of Pythagoras when he's, when he's landing in... I forgot the name of the island. Anyways, he's landing in the... In the geez, I forgot the name. And he sees some fishermen and he tells them, hey, you have X amount of fish in your net. And I forgot the, the number of fish, but 153. I don't know if it was 153 in this story, Gabe. But again, for Jesus Christ, it was the same thing. You guys have X amount of fish in your net. And they're like, oh, this guy's Chris Angel or something. you know? And they're bringing up the fish like, oh, my God, he was right. So, again, these correlations. But I think it all goes back down to the sacred geometry. And I want to I want to throw a quick little defense out for some gematria as well because like in that book they they do a really good way of describing how like the the letters in the ancient scripts for Hermes and Thoth and Jesus once you add all the letters up they essentially show that they were all talking about the exact same person and it's and it's not because of this like anglicized way of passing the torch it's it's literally because these names are encoded to these numbers that fit into these formulas. That are the same formulas, just told in different, you know, contexts. It's a Rosicrucian, right? That's the whole thing with again Francis Bacon about the King James yeah. version of the Bible. You have Rene Descartes that wrote these Rosicrucian type things that Leibniz, uh, Gottfried Leibniz, I think that was his name, or, or Wilhelm, the guy who invented binary code, the ones and zeros in your computer. He was obsessed. And you got a uh, Christian Rosenkrauts, which is essentially their amalgamation of this like fictional character that embodies all of their teachings it's like this guy that doesn't actually exist christian rosenkrauts who's accredited to a lot of the rosicrucian teachings really so divine yeah, perhaps? Up a lot of it, you just kind of like throw him author credit as a way of saying like this is a um a work from the full embodiment of this you know whole movement well how many movements haven't been born out of that just that just some guy that some guy said right some pseudonym that some mm -hmm. guy said Something. I didn't say that. That was, that was that other guy who said that, man. <laughs> <laughs> burn, burn that dude at the stake. What about uh, Jesus the Carpenter thing, going back on that? Kind of thinking of like, um, you know, like masonry or uh, some sort of secret society as like, a, you know, having this job and this title as a builder. Mm, the um, architect. Kind of relating right? to that. The Freemasons yeah, yeah, exactly. with the little, with the, with the, what is it, the compass the compass and the angle whatever it's called or is it a mm -hmm. book the, the square, square and, the square and compass yeah. the square i'm not a freemason thomas hasn't initiated me yet so i'm not a i'm not a freemason <laughs> yet but yeah again you're absolutely right roman i didn't i never really connected that word again the symbolism it's all dude and i hate that i've gotten to the point in my life where and i don't want to think that everything is illuminati confirmed because i don't think everything is illuminati confirmed okay yeah you do shit you do. Yeah, I was gonna, if you look I, deep I mean, enough I'm, i think it we're is. all there if you look deep it enough is. it is though that's the problem that you start seeing all this occult <laughs> symbolism in these things like my wife today sent me a, this this uh disney movie 
uh, shout out to Disney, oh and that supposedly people are freaking out. It's a new movie that came out that in the movie it's about a cartoon, a red. I think it's Red Fox or something like that, and it talks about sex. Red panda. Red was it a red panda? I mean, I think so. Yeah. Anyways, it talks about sex to kids, bro. Like to kids, and and for people who just turn things on for their kids, and then just let them do their thing. So it's Disney yep. and Pixar's turning red. So oh this, my, this God. is nothing new. To me, I remember the uh, what was the the Disney cartoon with like the, the little mice that would like um, run around? It was Ratatouille, like, the Adventurers, or something? No, way, no, way no, no, no. Uh, uh, the uh, Tom shit. and Jerry. I know. You're Fifle. Fifle. But there was a clip no. of like actual Fifle. No, not no. Way before Fightful too, dude. It yeah. was it was a Disney movie that someone, one of the animators, was disgruntled and snuck in like an actual, you know, picture of like a woman's bare breasts in a kids movie. Um, so, yeah, then, I mean, there was like the Aladdin. There was the you know the word Lion Sex King, in the Sky, and Lion King. Yeah, it's almost like every Disney movie. Little Mermaid managed to sneak, you know, sneak something in there. Yeah, what was Yo, Aladdin? Was uh, also a quote that said like all teenagers take off your clothes? That was like spoken really quickly. And said by Robin fucking Williams, who thus, you know, has committed suicide due to depression, right? Because that was his line. Yeah. I also wanted to say about Disney, uh, well, I mean, that was his character. I'm not sure if they had Robin Williams say that, but it was the character of the genie because when he turned into a fly, he, like, whispers it in uh, his ear. I went on a bit, dude, I'm a big, uh, I got fucking real ramped up on the Disney shit. I don't I don't know a lot about it, but, like, when I found out about that, like, I was just like, oh, my God. And also, Walt fucking Disney is, I mean, a master occultist, even though he has no ties. People can't fucking find ties. I'm like, listen up, dude. Well, there's, plenty That's ex- there's, there's plenty of pictures of him and, and Desmolay, and he's got, like, you know, Mickey Mouse and Desmolay. So there's there's very strong oh, yeah. ties that are documented. And Mickey Mouse I want to say wizard. too about the gloves. About the exactly the gloves is a huge thing in the Mickey Mouse thing. We we're talking about that earlier. I think that it's all alchemy, sex magic, Crowleyism. Like you know, this also- is a Christian podcast. You can't talk about sex on here. Just just putting that out. <laughs> <laughs> Illuminati Dude, confirmed. The Disney shit goes. It, go, it so goes deep. It and goes deep. also the fucking original Disneyland was built on a thirty-third parallel. Yeah, what? you know what the Thirty-Three Club? Yeah, the, the at fucking Disneyland. Disneyland secret society for like the, the big ballers that get to go to the secret VIP lounges. Yeah, so thirty-third uh, degree parallel lines up with Jerusalem. A lot of people miss that one. So oh shit, yeah, thirty degrees lines up with uh, Giza. Thirty-three lines up with uh, Jerusalem, and forty-one and change will get you the Vatican. Those are good guys, though, Gabe. The Vatican, they're awesome people. I've heard. I've heard that they yeah, do no, some great, great things. They make the Pope is dope. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Juan, guess who else the Vatican lines up with? Rhode Island. Really? With HP Lovecraft. Lovecraft. Yeah, and you sent me some stuff. I don't know if you want to get into that later about the whole Mercury and all this stuff. You, I know you go. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, we can get into that, you know, it, and it kind of does uh, brush into that, you know, gematria in the the fact that there are, like you were saying, uh, Thomas, there uh, that there are numeric codes underneath our words. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think of the moment when Neo had he had the apotheosis moment, and he uh, is resurrected, and he looks down the hallway, and he's seeing numbers on all the walls, 
And those numbers are flowing in both directions. They're going up wow. and down. And that, uh, that's called bidirectional text. It's, uh, it's uh, Aramaic, goes in both directions. You read to the end of the line, you drop down, and you read backwards. Drop down, read forwards, drop oh. down. That's, uh, that's called bostrophodon, as the ox plows. And, but, I, but it's also a metaphor for reading the letters and also reading the numeric code underneath those letters. That's awesome. I've never heard any of that before. I love that. Why do we read manga backwards? Does that have to do? Are we summoning some sort of demon when we're reading manga backwards? <laughs> well, that's a, I, I got an answer. I do have an answer. So the Tower of Babel was in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And so the Tower of Babel is the location when all language, we were all of one tongue. But the Tower of Babel fell in two directions. And so the languages from the Far East, they read from left to right or from right to left in languages of the east we read from left to right so we are building the tower of babel back up with our language coming back to that center point so it's interesting that you said the the matrix thing because i've been balls deep in some plato and uh, the innate ideas and <laughs> and the plato like the, the toys yeah that too <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Plato too. Just I'm making s- cast models over here. <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to eat it. It's not toxic. You're not supposed to eat it. So I've been reading and studying up on the theory of of forms, and right, we have Plato who was inspired by Pythagoras. You have the Neoplatonists and the Platonic movement, and all this stuff that paved the way for Christianity and the Gnostics and all these people. And it was interesting that Plato, at first, when he started he was against the numbers because he believed that numbers would make you would detach you from reality itself in a way. But then it's weird because when he flipped towards the end, it was more Pythagorean in nature and the Neoplatonists ran with it because they were, again, they were inspired by daddy Pythagoras at at the beginning. And it makes me think of Neo. And then the, 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 the cave allegory where, they're in watching these shadows at the back end of that cave. And then that ascension of this person, you, the one going out, up, out of the cave into the light is, yes. you know, it's again, it's an allegory. So when you go out, whoever stayed in the cave is humanity who doesn't want to accept the fact they only accept what's being presented to them, what's being fed to them, right? In, in the matrix, they're in the pod, and when they come out, that's the, you know, the ascension up towards. And then it made me think of that where we use, we use mathematics every, everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's in everything. And, but again, it's well, your, your body's doing it. Like you, you might not be actively doing it, but at all times your senses are, are doing math. Yep. That's yep. fucked. So, yeah. I, I love this topic, man. This is a really great topic. So the Pythagoreans had that phrase, panta arithmos. And that is that all is number, mm-hmm. and uh, and this is we are like we are really going to touch the the matrix here with this topic. Just we a tip, really, we're going to just get right in and do some foreplay on the matrix right right here. So um, tip, dip our Plato cast. Yeah, man. Yep, we're going to build the tower. <laughs> so Plato is uh, Leto means happy, and P is the phallus, the palace, the tower. Uh, so to make the 
the P happy is to cons is to erect a tall mud, the Talmud, to make a construct we can all see and agree upon. So uh, we are going to be playing with some uh, the world of forms for sure with this. So every That's time so I get an erection, I'm summoning something oh, of some sorts. Yep, we're going to summon the, summon the spirit. We're going to call in the spirit tonight. Giggity. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that's life force energy, man. Yeah, bro. Yeah. So I, I do. I believe that, you know, the cave is the construct of the language and the metrics that we all agree to operate under. You know, 12 inches is a foot. 12 months is a year. 12 hours is a day. You know, there's uh, a lot of agreed. Hey, get out of here with your imperialist measurements. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. In a very harsh uh, reality for a lot of people is to realize this is coming out of the cave, is to realize that you have agreed to be su the subject of colonialized thinking. And colonialized thinking is every aspect of indoctrination that we've gone through. Yeah. And so we are subjugated. We're the subject of the colon, the, uh, the, you know, the empire. And so that's a harsh reality. That's really hard for people to even consider that their own literacy is part of the snare. Their, their own language and their own uh, uh, agreeing and going along with, okay, 12 months, sure, let's call 12 months a year. Well, to some people, that is high blasphemy because you're forgetting about the 13-month lunar calendar. And yeah, I was gonna say before we were talking about the twelve zodiacs, but now we're forgetting about the thirteenth zodiac, which is the water bearer or the serpent bearer. Right on. Yes. So to a large degree, when we you know compromise and go along with the met the metrics of the matrix, oh, we shit. are making ourselves subject to that paradigm of thought. And so that's been a, that's been a real thing for me in my life. You know, I've. Uh, I'm a, I'm a martial artist, a long, long time martial artist. And I study, a, a you guys have probably heard of Capoeira. The oh, break, yeah. Break dance fighting. <laughs> uh, it's a cool story, dude. You love, the story of Capoeira is beautiful. It's a beautiful. Well, it's actually quite suppressed, but also. Right. Out of suppression it's, blooms. And that was, that was my path out of the Matrix, you know, is realizing that, you know, wait a second. Uh we have squashed so many beautiful rituals and so many beautiful cultures in the name of uh, seeing the world from the same perspective. And, uh, and it's just a very uh, powerful thing to unprogram yourself and step back and be like, you know, maybe I don't agree with these, uh, these paradigms and these uh, forms of mental capture this is a, a really perfect segue for the, the book that I ended up reading for our podcast. I'd, if, right. if, you, if you don't mind, I'd like to jump in because it's, please, it's right please. on this exact. Because as I was reading it, and it's kind of funny because the the book itself is La Sorcery, um, the, the Witch of the Middle Ages. And it's kind of a modern, and when I say modern, I think 1890s take on what kind of happened with witchcraft and occultism in the Middle Ages. But my takeaway through reading it was kind of what you're describing here, Gabe, is, is how this, uh, 
this idea of like standardizing everything and getting everyone on the same page so that everyone was this like monk class that you could just kind of interchangeably, you know, you guys go do this, you guys go do this. These like spiritual warriors almost that were like, you know, your, your office jockeys. Um, that was my takeaway. So. You're welcome, Thomas. Who put, so you, me, who me, put you on? Who put you on? Let, let me jump in. Yeah, and actually, yeah, you put me on to this. I can't remember what the context was, but I... You said something that I didn't believe, and I just got engrossed in reading. It was the Black Sabbath. I was looking up the Black Sabbath stuff, and it's in there, too. So that's, that's why. That's right. And, uh, and funny enough, man, this comes all around to Francis Bacon again, because I've got this quote that I'm going to read out. And I think it's Everybody funny. loves bacon. Yeah, everyone loves bacon. And I think, like most things Francis Bacon, uh, this might be falsely attributed to him. Uh-huh. Uh, you guys might have heard this before, but it's, it's called The Story of the Horse's Teeth. And I'm going to try to read it in, in its original kind of uh, quote, which I think oh, was nice. like 1906. So, and it says, In the year of our Lord, 1432, there arose a grievous quarrel among the brethren over the number of teeth in the mouth of a horse. For 13 days, disputation raged without ceasing. All the ancient books and chronicles were fetched. Wonderful and ponderous erudition, yeah. such as was never heard before in this region, was made manifest. At the beginning of the 14th day, a youthful friar of goodly bearing asked his learned superiors for permission to add just a word, a straightaway, a wonderment, um, whose deep wisdom he sore vexed. He beseeched them to unbend in a manner of course unheard of, so that he may look into the open mouth of this horse, find the answer in their questionings by essentially counting the fucking teeth in the, the, the horse's mouth. It's divination, yeah. So, so he wants to he wants to just count the teeth in the mouth, but all of these you know sort of uh, learned guys around them they want to debate about the philosophical answer of how many teeth are in the mouth. So at this it says their dignity being grievously hurt, they waxed an exceeding wroth, joining in a mighty uproar. They flew upon him and smote him hip and thigh and cast him out forthwith. For said they. Surely Satan had tempted this bold neophyte to declare unholy and unheard of ways of finding the truth, contrary to all the teachings of the fathers. And it goes on and on and on. But the the, the concept here is that, you know, they've got these, like, the learned professors and the doctors, and they're all debating about this. And this guy walks into the room, he's like, hey, does anyone want to just, like, open up the horse's mouth and just fucking count the teeth and maybe we can call this a day? And, you know, they, they, they hate him for it, and they kick him out, and they go back to sort of debating over this. But the, the whole concept wow. here was that um, this standardization and just, like, all of these expert opinions, uh, you can kind of get drowned in it, and you lose the actual knowledge that you're seeking after. If you really wanted to just know how many teeth are in the horse's mouth, you know, sometimes it just takes an ignorant fool to just be like, hey, let's go and count it. Um, so Is that where now, the term from the horse's mouth comes from? Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's because you don't want to uh, – don't look a, a gift horse in the mouth, right? Well, that's, this, oh, okay. that's got to do with Plato, too, and Plato's The Republic, where he wanted these philosophers to rule society. Like, they wanted certain people to rule society. It was, why the philosopher? Oh, because they're the, the most wise. They're the most unbiased, right? But then again – The philosopher king, right? The, yeah, the philosopher kings. But who determines – who? right? It's like this whole narrative – What's essential and what's mm-hmm. not essential? Who, you know, who is going to give you the right to rule over another people? Like, Who's got the most traffic on TikTok right now? <laughs> exactly. So, Juan. that's crazy because Pythagoras supposedly, allegedly practiced divination. They saw, 
the the you know the entrails of a, of an animal on the ground. They'd be like, oh, this is. What's they would look at the flight of birds. They would look at the clouds and all this shit, and they could tell Pythagoras was related to be able to tell the future. I mean, that was what that's what he was dealing with. Earlier this week, that's called I think green language, uh, when you think that you can sort of you know read a message through this kind of like surreal means, you know, language of the birds, things like that. I think that's called green language. Mm-hmm. You got language it. Yep. Of birds. Green language is my jam. Yeah. That's Gabe's, that's Gabe's specialties. It's forte. Yeah, man. Yep. My bread and butter. Also uh, called twilight language uh, by some. Uh, and I, I, I love it because it is, uh, our language is the artifacts of the ancestors, mm-hmm. you know, um, in these, uh, in, I really love to uh, find out the definition of words in other languages uh, and like they will seem as though they're not related, but if you get a little cultural context, they are deeply related. Like you guys will dig this. How is it and in what way is the word book when you reverse it, it's cube. <coughs> the book is the cube. In the shape of a book is cute. It's oh, a, shit. It's a cube. <laughs> you fuck. You motherfucker. This, this, Illuminati this, confirmed. What the yeah, fuck? Buddy, yeah. <laughs> and this is a, this is a good, this, I can tie this back into what we're talking about. How like the difference between um, reality and a contrived uh, standard of reality that is agreed upon. So uh, the word uh, Bach in Finnish it means a goat. And in uh, German, it means a river. A Bach is a river. And when you take uh, goat and river, you combine them, you end up with the river goat, which is the sign of Capricorn, which is at the bottom of the zodiac. But this is where it gets really neat. Books were made from goat skin. And I do believe that the flow of information, the the source of knowledge is from the realm of the forms Mm -hmm. and it is literacy that gives you access to the realm of the forms. And so by learning how to read, you learn how to enter into the stream of consciousness. And it is through, used to be, it was through uh, these goat skinned uh, tomes that we call books that gave you access to the stream of consciousness. And so now you guys see all the ingredients of how a book is a cube, a book is a goat, a book is a stream, and it all starts to make sense. But you got to take a little bit from the Finnish, and you got to take a little from the German, and you even got a little Kabbalah, the Kabbalah of the cube, you know, and you put it all together cross-culturally, and it's just amazing. And that's a good, that's a real nice example of Twilight speech. Where you take it from other Cuba, Allah. Yeah, it's all uh, the things that have ever been written. <laughs> well, so you know, Plato, right, with with the theory of forms, he right, he thought that the he said that he believed that everything was already known. You just needed to be able to, like how you said, tap into that to to unlock it. So yeah. we know everything that we know. And I think was it Socrates or something where he's like, I'm gonna tell this guy who's never heard of some geometric patterns and then he'd be like right it's this it's this and the guy didn't know shit about it and he's like yeah it's that because plato would always do that shit right to to make himself like be like right about everything so 
again, that doesn't prove that everyone knows everything, but where the fuck do thoughts even come from? They just pop into your head. I know where I, I got the craziest idea, Thomas, let's do this for this show. Well, where the fuck did that come from? You know what I mean? So these guys were talking about this in the year 500, 600, whatever it was back then. They were thinking about where thoughts came from and how they developed and all this shit. It's fucking wild, man. Yeah, man. Dude, I, I 100% am on, I'm on board with the collective consciousness and us being able to um, basically, like, especially in the podcast realm, especially in our realm of podcasts, of like this alternative media, because it's just like one of us has an idea over here, and the next thing you know, when you go and talk to your boy, like, dude, I was just fucking thinking about that and going to read in on that, you know? Like, yep. what the fuck? And it's uh, like, I see it, and it's... um. It, it's it's beautiful. It is so beautiful. I, I'm fucking grateful, dude. Like this, the podcast, podcasting, and like this, like step of awakening has really like changed a lot of my life and and given me a lot more uh, beautiful direction. Um, you know that that I want to drive. I want to strive for because it's like honestly, I felt like a fucking real big weirdo like everywhere I went because I was just so fucking crazy. And then you you come here and you're like, wow, there's all and it's like. A cult, a cult was the thing that I always wanted to study. I didn't realize it that like was always going to be, you know, a cult. And and then here we are. It's like, dude, this shit fucking just like yoga. Started doing yoga. Went to my first hot yoga class. Changed my fucking life. And now I'm I go fucking twice or three times a week because yoga and a cult are the only things that make me happy. Nice man. Yeah, you know, you and I were tapping in on something, uh, I think, was that last night, where you were on my channel talking about 100 years, the 100-year loop. Dude, uh, I can't, I didn't even want to bring that shit up because it's just, it's mind-sweltering. Man. Yeah. And then, you, but you had not seen the video I had put out the night before was about 100 years in the, in the speech that Morpheus gives to Zion in the Matrix. Oh, shit. I remember for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after 100 <laughs> years, I remember that which matters most. We are still here. And, uh, beautiful interpret. That was beautiful, Gabe. I just want yeah, to tell man. you. That yeah. was good. That was good. We're going to need some remixes on that. Someone needs to on that everything. I'm going to clip that shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to throw this out here too, Juan, because you were mentioning how uh, to, you know, Plato was kind of this this stickler. He was a troll. Um, on his whole form. He was a troll. He was kind of like that the worst asshole teacher that you ever had, not just because he was like, you know, uh, so sure of himself and, and so like, you know, illustrious, but the dude legit was smart. So it's like you couldn't just uh, write it off as like he was being some some asshole but my favorite guy and in, in looking back in history in that same time is diogenes the cynic and diogenes there's this really fun anecdote i'm gonna butcher this one as always but um <clears throat> plato was all proud of himself and he kind of got like all these commendations from you know all the teachers and all the professors and philosophers because he came up with this quote of saying that um that man was a featherless biped and everyone was like oh my god you know this was like the most graceful elegant way of describing humankind featherless biped why don't we think of that and diogenes went and found a, a, a rooster and plucked all the feathers and brought it to school and said look everyone there's plato's you know featherless biped there's there's a man according to plato so like he kind of had those trolls in school that were like calling him on his shit 
Uh, the fact that he's got the Republic <laughs> under his belt and all of Western philosophy, you know, yeah. people gloss over and give him this like godly status as if everything he did was correct. But um, I always like thinking of Diogenes. It's like, man, there was there was that class clown that was like, hey, teacher, you're, you're wrong about this one thing. But, you know, those kind of things get glossed over. Hey, Thomas, can it. you unplug and plug your mic back in? I think we're getting some sort of interference Yo. there. Let me read you guys this crazy fucking story that I was kind of touching up on about Falconelli earlier about um, uh, this meeting between him and Jacques Bergier, um, and a supposed meeting behind this you know man who's never been revealed as Falconelli. Let me read this story because it's fucking really cool. Um, the meeting between Jacques Bergier and Falconelli reportedly occurred during. June 1937, in the laboratory of the Gas Board in Paris. According to Neil Powell, the following is a translation of an original verbatim transcript of the rendezvous. You're on the brink of success, as indeed are several others of our scientists today. Please, allow me. Be very, very careful. I warn you. The liberation of nuclear power is easier than you think and the radioactivity artificially produced can poison the atmosphere of our planet in a very short time, a few years. Moreover, atomic explosives can be produced from a few grains of metal powerful enough to destroy whole cities. And I'm telling you this for a fact. The alchemists have known it for a very long time. I shall not attempt to prove to you what I am going to say, but I ask you to repeat it to Mr. Hell Bronner, certain geometrical arrangements of highly purified materials are enough to release atomic forces without having recourse to either electricity or vacuum techniques. The secret of alchemy is this. There is a way of manipulating matter and energy so as to produce what modern scientists call a field of force. The field acts on the observer and puts him in a privileged position via V the universe. From this position, he has access to the realities which are ordinarily hidden from us by time and space, matter and energy. This is what we call the great work. Wow. Nice. nice. So, you know, that that's... What, what year was that book written in, Roman? That... The, um, this was released in 1922... Volcanelli went missing in 1926. That rendezvous was apparently in 1937. So, like, in the middle of the Great Wars, um, which, uh, like I was saying, it it lies back into the Jack Parsons because Jack Parsons was working specifically with the American military, and the American military thought he was working for the Nazis because he was a follower of Crowley. And so it's like, you have all these alchemists. I mean, Jack Parsons was a fucking rocket scientist dude it's alchemy bro you know and so he was a master of the the chemicals like that's his jack parsons whole thing he can make fire out of thin air throwing up one chemical um and so like I, and then you know obviously uh, hitler you know when you really dive into that story you're like jesus christ these guys were so occult these guys were a master conspiracy theorist like 
you know, hollow earth, alchemy, you know, Jesus, aliens. you know, Jesus bloodlines, <laughs> aliens, fucking Aryan nation, Atlantis. They're, they're You're they're like, the ones that we're putting this into practice at a, at a global scale as well. Not just in books, you know, in their, in their dorm rooms at night, mm-hmm. you know, they were going and enacting this on the rest of the world. You yeah. Sound, dude, sound a little better, that, Thomas? that sounds great. Yeah. You, there was a little clicky before, man. That sounds good, baby. Um, you guys want me to read this? Can I read? Can I read some of the shit? Yeah, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Jack Parsons because his whole thing was right. He hooked up with L. Ron Hubbard, Crowley, fuck Crowley, by the way, and all these guys that were practicing. It's it was all about sex magic at the end of the day. About yeah, right. About being able to connect to the sub to to bring forth the subconscious at that point at that peak of ecstasy. Right when you're doing the do. And being able to reflect, <laughs> right, to imprint on, I'm serious, to imprint on the subconscious what you're trying to do. And then, you know, when it comes back down, you forget about it and it's supposed to come to fruition. But alchemy, right, you're talking about how he was very careful about things. And then obviously you have his his death, right? Spoiler alert, he's dead. He died. But that's why... I'm not going to get into it, but that's why I brought up the idea, Gabe, of the homunculi and all that shit, because it ties into this shit. So I don't, I, I don't want to get into that. Continue, Roman, because that's, that's a whole other episode. We should make, make a note to, to have an episode about homunculi, because I've read like a whole bunch of books on that specific topic, which is a fucking crazy one. Oh, you, you might have to join us then soon, uh, Thomas, because we're literally planning an episode. I'll send you the details later, but we're working on something right now. Man. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, dude. This whole community is just the, the best shit I've ever happened in my entire life. So uh, <laughs> it's fucking tight. Like, I'm just like, yes. Anyways, um, this is Falconelli Mystery of the Cathedrals. Um, and how I was visioning this going, right? This reading of this stuff. This stuff is super dense. And so you got it. But it's not like, it's not un- uh, like it's it's not intangible, right? Um but it's dense and if to the to to the woke and initiates as we are, right? So, fucking stop me anytime you want. I'm I'm just gonna do like two pages at a time, um, because in two pages alone there is so much to decode. Um, so, but if there's something like, don't be afraid. Obviously, like to just fucking interject. When was nuclear energy invented? Because this guy's talking about that in the twenties. Twenty, he said twenty two. He was talking writing this shit. Yeah, I mean, dude, so the mystery of the cathedrals is an alchemical work, and, um, and the, 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 the subtitle is The Esoteric Interpretation of the Hermetic Symbols of the Great Work. Um, and that right there is like, you know, esoteric interpretation of the hermetic symbols of the great work. So in my work, the, the research I'm building and the shit I'm working on is called Antiquated Transhumanism and Resonance Architecture. And that's how I found out about Falconelli because I was looking into these buildings that have way more going on than we're led to believe. That I don't, I don't think that the pyramids were the last of resonant architecture. I think in the Gothic period and pre-17th century, the societies in the world were working on magnetics and ether physics and all across – So. You know, cathedrals aren't the only type of resonant architecture either, but this book fucking just helps my research a lot in that. And um, he's basically described through this, this whole book is about describing how the Gothic or the Gothic, the Gothic, G-O-E-T-I-C, 
which is really what it is. They're not Gothic cathedrals. They're Gothic cathedrals. Mm. Um, and they're cathodes through ether energy that yep. use mercury in the towers. Um, and also the bells were filled with mercury as well. Something else that, that fucking Hitler was working on was a Nazi bell, oh, right? Shit, like the Nazi man. bell, the bell shape. Yep. And don't huh? forget the word gothique has the word tech in it. Exactly. You could, you could even twist it into the God tech. Wow. I want to, I want to throw in too, since you're talking about cathedrals and, and how they had all these like um, really innovative properties uh, there was this this uh, quote from I think it was one of the Peter Lavenda series, but he makes this note of that a lot of people when go to these cathedrals and look through this stained glass and they would see colors yeah. that they wouldn't see at any other time during their normal lives. So it was also this way of like almost um, finding like the supernatural abilities that were kind of centralized in this one place. Um, so along with, you know, they, they wouldn't hear reverberation the same way. They wouldn't hear music the same way. So they would go to these cathedrals and it would literally teleport them to what a completely different fuck? reality. You know what that's, I mean? that's, that's what I'm talking about, bro. So like there's this, the only mainstream science that we have that backs up this ancient, ancient tech is the science of LSPR, which is light spectrum plasmon resonance. And it proves that the nanoparticles in this changes the plasmon resonance. So when the sun energy hits these windows, the other side of the window has a different frequency that is literally absorbed by the metals and alchemically translated in the atmosphere. Thus, our bodies, which are also conductors, can absorb that in a true healing and transformative way. And then you add enchanting. Every of every one of these cathedrals generally had a basilica. So it had fucking, you know, an organ, right? And um, that's beautiful, Thomas. Can you send me that article or wherever you read that? Because like yeah, that yeah, kind of thank you. Like Ro I need I have a Roman. Where where yeah. does these the stained glass come in? Like is that why there's certain yeah color because it's right it's stained oh it's so beautiful but it's not there by mistake it, does that serve a purpose as well because he's talking about Bro. seeing a different light spectrum hearing things different that's fucking crazy i, I never put Dude, that together the stained glass has so much symbolism not only in every single stained glass pan panel generally there's an entire fucking story to be deciphered but that's one part of the stained glass windows is you have every you know every single one um is to be decoded right here's a classic one look at that that's a that's a classic stained glass window god i'm terrible at holding the angles jesus fucking christ how do i move my phone there we go <laughs> i can't there's hear you one unless you're muted bro I, I was gonna say i see three 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 right there we've got three stars three arrows and three waves yep yep yeah totally i'm then, I'm, I'm seeing uh fire air water earth also oh yeah and the heart in the center yeah yeah nice terrible and then this is a oh that's not that one's not doesn't look too good it's like it's not as it's not it's also not as cool yeah uh it's like but it's really not kids it, it looks like yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, like, it's like people people getting stabbed and decapitated it's like not it's that like, cool but it's telling you that they use children's blood in the glass dies <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, QAnon. So, so the, uh, the the symbolism in the stained glass windows goes 
goes goes deep. And so, like I said, it can have any of these type of symbolism. But then outside of that, on an alchemical sense, they're all made with nanoparticles of silver and gold and, like, using different things and the colors. It's just – and, like, the chapter I read on Weaving Spiders Welcome went into the um, – uh, went into the, the color symbolism of it. And so that's a little bit what this is going to go into here. And geez, I drank coffee way too late, bro. I'm so caffeinated. I've taken a step out of Gabe's page. He's always drinking coffee on the podcast. And I'm like, I'm going to start doing that too. <laughs> um, so uh, anyways, after, no, nothing's my fault. It's everybody else's fault. Okay, here we are. Um, <laughs> uh, Mystery Cathedrals by Fulcanelli. Like I said, boys, stop me anytime. We're going. Um, the Cathedral of Paris, like most metropolitan basilicas, is under the invocation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, or Virgin Mother. In France, the people call these churches Notre Dame. In Sicily, they have the even more expressive name of Matrices. They are, they are therefore temples dedicated to Mother, Matrice, Mater, or the Matrona in the primitive sense a word which through corruption means Madonna, my lady, and by extension, our lady, or Notre Dame. Let us cross the gate of the porch and begin the study of the facade through the large portal called the central porch or the judgment porch. The central pillar, which divides the entrance bay into offers series of allegorical representations of medieval science. Facing the square, in the place of honor, alchemy is represented by a woman whose forehead touches the clouds. Sitting on a throne, she holds up a scepter in her left hand, a badge of sovereignty, while the right hand supports two books, one closed, esotericism, and one open, exotericism. Held between her knees and resting against her chest stands the nine-step ladder, Scala Philosophorium, hieroglyph of the patients, that her followers must have. During the nine successive operations of hermetic labor, patience is the ladder of philosophers, Valois tells us, and humility is the doorway to the garden. For whoever preserves without pride and without envy, God will show mercy. This is the title of the philosophical chapter of the Mutus Liber, the Gothic temple, the frontispiece of this occult Bible, with massive stone pages. This imprint, the seal of the secular great work in front of the Christian great work, it could not be better located at the very threshold of the main entrance. Thus, the cathedral appears to us be based on an alchemical science, investigating the transformations of the original substance of the elementary matter, root matter, or mother, for the virgin mother stripped of her symbolic veil is nothing other than personification of the primitive substance used to achieve her purposes by creative principle, creator, all that is. This is the meaning, which is very clear, of the singular epithet, reads the mass immaculate conception of the Virgin, whose text reads, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his ways. I was formed before many creatures. I was formed before he formed many creatures. I was from all eternity before the earth was created. The abysses were not yet, and already I was conceived. The fountains have not yet come out of the earth. 
The heavy mass of the mountains had not yet been formed. I was a child before the hills. He had not created the earth, nor the rivers, nor he had established the world on its poles. When he prepared the heavens, I was present. When he surrounded the depths of their bounds and prescribed the inviolable law, when he established the air above the earth, and when he balanced the waters of the fountains, when he enclosed the sea with its limits, and when he imposed the law on the waters so that they would not pass their bounds, when he laid the foundations of the earth, I was with him, and I regulated all things. This is obviously the very essence of things. And indeed, the Lytanis teach us that the virgin is the vase that contains the spirit of things. On a table, the height of the chest of the Magi, Italia tells us that there is one side of the book or a series of gold pages or plates, the book of Thoth, and on the other side is a vase full of celestial astral liquor composed of a third wild honey and one part terrestrial water and one part celestial water. The secret mystery lies within the vase. The singular virgin, Virgo Singularis, as the church expressly designates it, moreover glorified under names that indicate positive origin. It is also called the palm tree of patience, the lily between the thorns, lilium interspinus, Samson's symbolic honey, Gideon's fleece, the mystical rose, heaven's gate, or the house of gold, etc. The same text still call Mary the seat of wisdom. In other words, the subject of hermetic science, of universal wisdom. In the symbolism of planetary metals, she is the moon, which receives the rays of the sun and keeps them secretly in her bosom. She is the dispenser of passive substance, which the solar spirit comes to animate. Mary, virgin, and mother, therefore represents the form. Elias, the son, God, the father, is the emblem of the vital spirit. From the union of these two principles results in the living matter subject to the vicissitudes of the laws of mutation and progression. It is then Jesus, the incarnate spirit of the corpified fire in things that we know here on earth, and the verb became flesh and dwelt among us. On the other hand, the Bible teaches us that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was the stem of Jesse. Now, the Hebrew word for Jess means fire, the sun, the divinity, to be of the stem of Jesse is therefore to be the race of the sun, of fire. As the origin of matter comes from the solar fire, as we have just seen, the same name Jesus appears to us in its original and heavenly splendor. Fire, sun, God. Roman, before you, the, you go on, yes. is, is this guy having a mushroom trip or what's going on there? He's, he's seeing all these things, talking about celestial water and terrestrial water. He's describing some scientific phenomenon here. Like when there was a mention about the uh, the sun radiating radiating off the father and onto the wife's bosom where she retains it. This is talking about how the radiation from the sun is hitting the moon and the moon absorbs that radiation, which then reflects it to the earth. I mean, this what is all included in this like fuck? mythological <laughs> thinking. What I mean, if you hear when he says it, you know, the, the sun's radiating on the wife's bosom, which is the moon shining out onto the earth and um, the whole father, mother, earth being the child. And then it talks about, I mean, it, you can kind of like relate some of this, like the Pythagorean theorem aspects. Where yeah, the triangle. Like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, I mean, I mean the, part of it is like very uh, like um, flourished words, but we're talking about math essentially. 
What yep. does that picture have a name, Roman? So I can pick, uh, bring it up and screen share it so people can see it. Um. So this is yeah. This is one of the disc. It's a carving and a piece of art on on front of the Notre Dame. Um, type in the bas relief of the great porch of Notre Dame in Paris. Nice. So he just he described it. Um. And there's the nine step ladder. There's the two books, one open, one close, and then the scepter. Um, and so, like Thomas was saying, that alone, it's it's all an alchemical science understanding, scientific understanding. And he's all he's doing right here is describing the fucking entrance of right. the cathedral. Right. Like we haven't gotten past that part yet. Yes. So I got. I, what was I the name? He said cathedral. Notre Dame. He said the the bas relief of the Notre Dame cathedral. Uh, the bas relief of the great porch. Okay. Of the Notre Dame of Paris. So just today, I learned that an archaic tra uh, definition for the word great means pregnant. And in this context, I believe he is, it implies that it is pregnant with meaning, that there is, there, is, uh, there is a promise of a cipher and more meaning to come out. The scepter, I believe, encodes septenary gematria in the nine... The nine ladder rungs implies ordinal gematria. Those are the two primary principal forms of gematria. The rest can you got to you can go to the internet. But I've got a real good head for septenary and ordinal. Um, and uh, so I've actually done up a little work here on the word matrix. Let's see. You can see that the M is a thirteen. You add it together, you get a four. The A is a one, and then the tri means three. The X means to convert it or flip it. It's a mutable X. And when you flip four, one, three, you get three, one, four, the numbers of pi. So the word matrix oh. is a code to do the, the uh, alchemical process mentally, and you take the, the pieces and you cook them up in your kiln and then you put them back together and you get pie. And the beautiful thing about pie is that part you were reading about, it was here before all other uh, mm -hmm. plants, before all other aspects of life. And that is true. Pie is like a frequency that makes up mm -hmm. the fabric of reality. Yeah. It's the concept. It's, it's a, it's, is the energy, the, the, the vibrational state, the vibrant vibratory state of it as an energy before it can take physical form before it enters whatever type of physical dimension that it is yeah that that's fucking crazy and it's always fascinating wow. to me too that just the very act of calculating pi is in itself just an infinite stream of energy that yes. you forever and ever so just just by looking at the concept of it you're just opening up another stream for it to flow forever so true. Fuck yeah, dude. That's so crazy. It's so I've never done I never thought about that as the Pythagorean uh wow. Okay. I'm just mind blown. It's hard for me to digest things like that in a moment. So <laughs> let me continue. Um like I'm gonna like two weeks later I'm gonna be like have a whole download about it. But anyways. Um finally in the Averagina, the Virgin is called properly called roots to mark that she is the principle in the beginning of the whole. Hail root by which the light shone upon the world. 
These are reflections suggested by the expressive bas relief that welcomes the visitor under the porch of the basilica. Hermetic philosophy, the ancient Spigerus art. Welcome him to the Gothic temple, the alchemical temple par excellence, for the entire cathedral is nothing more than a silent but colorful glorification of the ancient science of Hermes, of which it has preserved one of the former craftsmen. Notre Dame of Perry, in fact, has kept its alchemist. Really and quick, this is I, I wanted to point out as you're showing that, um, the whole fact that it, it just mentioned how it kind of encaptures this in silence. And if you think about it, if anyone's familiar with the concept of cymatics, which is where you take the mm -hmm. of certain frequencies and you see what the visual patterns that they create are. And a lot of the um, the sort of the, the facades that you see on the fronts of these churches around these windows, they're almost direct correlations to the patterns that you would see in cymatic experiments. So again, this is them encoding, you know, these mathematical formulas into this quote unquote silent, you know, stone to be preserved for all ages. Fuck, I wish I had my fucking pencil. That's a great note. Absolutely. Because these, like I said, resonance architecture. Cymatic is the understanding of resonance um, mm -hmm. and vibratory state. And these places are built in such harmony for those reasons. And again, going to those stained glass, all that is is different frequencies, different harmonies. I, I'm still in a, shook. In a visual spectrum. I'm still shook on what you said earlier, Thomas, about how people would interpret everything differently because... Don't they preach in these cathedrals? What are they? Do they do all these ceremonies and rituals, right? In these cathedrals, you would, you would go here, right? And this is the only time. I mean, if we're talking back in the day, you didn't have any other outlet to God. There was no concept of talk to God on your own terms. You know, like you could pray to Him from your bed, but if you really wanted to get a direct line and make your request known, you had to go through the church mm -hmm. as the middleman. It's a brokered so experience, you, yeah. Yeah. So when you go to this church you're already in a completely different, like an NLP sort of terminology, right? You're in, yeah. you're in this like weird frame where you're the most susceptible to any bullshit or any like scam someone wants to pull on you because you're, you know, you're, um, you're, um, you're humbled by this kind of like grand experience that you're never mm -hmm. going to experience outside this one place. And you're almost programmed because once you've been here, you know, okay, there's the, this very definite space in reality that once I enter this, you know, geographic space, my brain switches to a completely different way of thinking where I'm seeing colors I've never seen. I'm hearing things I've never what seen. I'm being introduced to concepts that don't come up when I'm going back home and I'm like, you know, pulling weeds and I'm, I'm doing, you know, manual labor. So just the fact that you go here and it's this very cerebral experience that takes you completely out of the physical plane uh, not to discount that some, you know, some of the people realize like, oh, I've got these peasants in this completely, you know, feverish state of mind. Like I can tell them anything and they'll believe me. So, you know, there's, there's good and bad to some of that. And I think that's where that esoteric and exoteric comes in that you walk in there mm -hmm. and you see the cathedral, you know, you see the, the closed book and the open book, the open books for those people that it's their first time. They're the, they're the rubes, right? They're falling for everything on the first time. But the people that see that closed book, they realize like, oh, there's there's more to this. I need to not just, you know, listen to what's being presented to me out in the open, but I need to kind of like look in and, and find everything for myself. 
Yeah, one time I was yeah, listening to a Manly P. Hall lecture as I was pulling weeds, and he started talking about pulling weeds, the people in your life that don't need to be there. And I was like, holy shit, as I'm pulling a weed from my lawn, he's like, you need to pull the weeds out of your life. I was like, oh, okay, daddy. Okay, daddy, Manny P. Hall. <laughs> Sentai. <laughs> Sentai. That's so funny. Um, something, too, that's important. Yeah, like you were saying, Thomas, that's 100% true. You know, um, and, and especially in modern age, especially after the uh, 17th and 18th century, when the major kind of flip and transition was happening, when because at one point I believe that there was a society society that knew about alch- alchemical and hermetic prophecies and and things, and we, they would go there in harmony as a society, as a community, and they would raise their frequency and raise their vibratory state. But then something happened, multiple wars, jealousy, anger, you know, the the rise for power and the switch of everything. And then afterwards they said, we know the power of these cathedrals, these cathode rules, the rules of the cathode, the energy, how to encapsulate the energy and to contort the energy of these people. If we bring them here and then bring and then feed them false prophets, they will in fact endure it and bring it into their lives and have it be the most important thing. So as a form of control to basically, you know, that's MK Ultra all day. That's 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 brainwashing because you are in fact they're going into a place where alchemically and orically well, their aura is changing. Argue a lot easier because in MK Ultra in the fifties, they at least had to trick people and and hide the fact that they were you know abusing and traumatizing them. If we're going to, um, you know, hundreds of years before, everyone was just in a constant state of trauma daily without any government yeah. intervention. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's facts, dude. Illuminati I, confirmed. I, I want to go deep in MK Ultra. I still haven't. We haven't been able to do that on our show because, you know, Rising from the Ashes, we're mainly like, you know, we try to go history. So we go like way back, you know, and it's like, I, I love MK Ultra. It's one of the most fascinating topics to me. That whole time period is just so wild. And like all the deep underground military bases and Montauk and oh, God, I love that. Shit, so, dude. you know, speaking of MK Ultra, these places, but maybe perhaps this is how religion was able to spread and withhold itself because you have these people experiencing this other state of consciousness. So they go, this this has to be real. This has to be mm-hmm. some shit that I can't understand. So what what these people are preaching about or talking about or whatever, this is real. So how, how Thomas is saying this cerebral experience of being in this area of resonance, because we know cymatics affects molecules, right? 5G affects molecules certain frequencies affect molecules on a on a on a deep deep level so you know it's it's pretty it makes a lot of sense to me that they were able to keep the gig up for such a long time let me jump in here too from i know this is jumping between books but this fits so perfectly into exactly what we're talking about this is a fit it in weave it from chapter two of la sorcery the witch of the middle ages and the, the chapter is titled, Why the Middle Ages Fell into Despair. And uh, I'm just going to read, uh, I kind of like have some, some cutout quotes here, but it goes perfectly what we're, we're talking about here. So the, the chapter starts out, imitate and all will go well, rehearse and copy. This is the way to true childhood, which quicklists the heart of man, which um, leads back to its fresh and fruitful springs. 
In the world that is to make us young and childlike, I see at first nothing but the tokens of age, only cunning, slavishness, want of power. And he goes on to say, We have just the same literary fall as happened in India from Brahmanism to Buddhism, the twaddling flow of words after a noble inspiration, books copying from books, churches copying from churches, until they cannot so much as copy, they pillage from each other. They have no notion of forming a new society or fertilizing the old. Copying from the monks of the East, they wanted simply servants, at first, themselves barren race of monkling workmen. It was in spite of the family and renewing itself of the world. And then he says, if the monks wrote, it was the people that made them. This young growth might throw out some leaves and flowers from the nooks and crannies of an old Roman ruin turned into a covenant. But not assuredly did these ever first arise. Its groots go deep into the ground. Listen and obey. You are forbidden to invent, to create. No more legends, no more saints. We've had enough of them. You're forbidden to introduce new chants in your worship. Inspiration is not allowed. The martyrs that you would bring to light should stay modestly within their tombs, waiting to be recognized by the church. Um, so this is kind of showing you of this, like, think the way the church wants to think. Keep all of your creative and your innovative thoughts outside. Save that for when you go to church, and we'll give you that creative, you know, innovative energy and leave it there. Like, that's our job. You go back out and do, you know, your thing. And this was a very much a, a popular, you know, consensus. This wasn't just uh, some kind of, like, rantings. This was essentially how it operated. And it's funny, mm. Thomas, that I told you, I'm like, you were like, I'm going to read the whole book. And I'm like, nah, I'm only going to read these bits and pieces. And now you're like telling me all this crazy shit in that book. Well, the, I, I want to throw, we're not going to get into it, but the later, the later aspects of this book gets into the, the dynamics of Jesuits and how the, um, the Jesuits and the king of France um, threw the, the Templars under the bus because he was in debt. But then it traces mm -hmm. the lineage of the Jesuits rise to power and then fall from power, which I wasn't even thinking about but i'm i'm totally obsessed with uh jesuit history because of the bavarian illuminati connection so yeah this, this illuminati book was, confirmed you know, a whole bunch of different reasons <laughs> and, and I wow. when i first started reading this it was kind of a pleasure to read because the the guy that wrote it is very snarky it's it's written in a very like a straw man way he's like well here's what the the church of the middle ages was thinking and he paints this like really glorious straw you know the listen and obey you're forbidden to invent like that's him straw manning the the church of the middle ages but yes. i just love the way that he writes that it's it's very like a a satirical kind of hit piece nice. written in, what know, book is that it's called la sorcery the witch of the middle ages Oh yeah, the one you read from earlier, dude. Yeah, no, that's super good. I I'm gonna have to get my hands on that. I, there's not enough. I need more money, baby. I need more money for books. <laughs> well, this so one's what? free. You can find this one at archive.org. Totally free. Nice. And I'm I'm hoping that we might maybe set a trend here that all of the books that we review um, should hopefully be available, you know, public domain or, or free yeah. in some way. Yeah. I want to I want to bring a, a little piece of what the uh, the spiders have gifted me with some some ancient technology that we've kind of dug up and it's going to tie everything together. We just said going all the way from the cathedrals, the Notre Dame Cathedral specifically, the Knights Templar in France in that battle with the king, all the way to MK Ultra, like Juan was saying. I can tie this all in with this, this amazing uh, occulted uh, part of that history. And that is that uh, Jacques Molay was having his initiates go through this ritual underground in France at the time. And that ritual was revealed to involve uh, some 
incredibly uh, dark initiatory practices. Um, the first one was to walk upon a cross, to walk upon a crucifix, and also to uh, spit on, some say to urinate on the crucifix, to defile the symbol of the Catholic Church. And then they were uh, prompted to speak uh, blasphemy on the Christ. And it was actually the initiates, if they were prompted, if they could decode the prompt, they were actually not supposed to blaspheme verbally. Uh, and that was the point in the initiation process where they were supposed to say no. So sometimes they're testing you on what, where you will draw the line. And that line in the sand was that your words can defile you. You can walk on the Christ, you can piss on the, on the cross, but your words are what defile you. And so that was part of the initiation process. That's so interesting because there is a correlation in, in Freemasonry that's kind of like that where I, once you go far enough along, you, it stops being just rote memorization of like right. repeating these things that you memorized. And the questions that you're asked, one of them will like, um, it'll actually like ask you to do something you're not supposed to do. And that is yes. they are strictly to weed out the people that aren't critically thinking and you know everyone's had that test in school where it's like 20 things and the last question says like only do this last thing right to make sure everyone read it all that's right you would know that a, wouldn't you thomas you i had a feeling that. that would that would vibe with you Tom. <laughs> yep, i had a feeling so so after that they were led into another chamber and this is a, a smaller room a confined space and it has candles lit on the walls and I believe that there were substances in the candles that were of uh, mind-altering value. Yeah. and That's they, old alchemy right there, my brother. You got it. And this, is, and this is crazy. They would bring out a cat, and the initiate would be prompted to kiss the ass of the cat. And this is some weird shit because... This is super weird shit. The cat is a known source of a, uh, a parasite called toxoplasmosis. Yep. Holy fucking Brazil. shit. In Brazil, people go cra- that's why people go crazy in Brazil. Right. In that's the, the whole cat butt whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's the whole cat butt whole thing. Oh it is so God. crazy. The eye of horse. <laughs> you got it. It's all over pop culture. Like they're making a joke of it on South Park. It's like really getting proliferated because they want to diffuse it. They want to make it like, you know, the things that are that prof- profane are disguising the profound. Mm-hmm. And they want us to laugh it off and not talk or go any further on what it really means. Um, and the fact of the matter is toxoplasmosis has certain side effects that I believe <laughs> um, that have certain effects on one personality type and a different effect on other personality types. And this was essentially like biometric scanning to see almost like your DNA, to check your DNA. So certain uh, blood types will respond by becoming uh, passive. They'll become fearful. They'll become timid. Their eyes will vasoconstrict. But other blood types, their eyes will vasodilate, and they actually might get eroticized and have an, an erotic, an erotic response. But when you look into toxoplasmosis, it has some very interesting side effects. 
it uh, on different people. Some people will become uh, subject to suggestion. They are become very likely to take risks. They will uh, conceivably, you could tell them to go take a risky mission, mm-hmm. a suicide mission, and, the, and they're down for the job. They'll go do it at the drop of a hat. But other personality types, other some would say blood types, some would say RH negatives, theoretically. And we're getting in dangerous territory there, but some people would say RH negatives. They'll be like, "Nah, fuck that. I ain't doing your. I ain't doing that shit." Uh, and that is a way of separating the wheat from the chaff. Um, but another side effect, and this is where it gets real weird. It turns out there's a whole city in Korea that yes uh, is overrun with feral cats. In that population who lives with these feral cats, they have prolific toxoplasmosis infection rates and there's a huge percentage of the population has gender uh gender dysphoria yeah and they they lose their sense of sexual orientation so to say or yeah this this whole that, parasite that thing goes is- into like uh god, god godly uh androgyny or like the divine androgynous so like when you get up to a certain spiritual level like and out like the really old alchemist like basil valentine yes. and things like that that like all mysteriously vanish that right. live to be a couple hundred years old and then they're not like man or woman they're androgynous it gets into some weird shit and so now everybody think of yaldabaoth is a cat's head mm-hmm with a snake coming out of the head of the cat, well, it turns out toxoplasmosis, the shape of that neurotoxin, it has a long tail. It's, uh, the word toxo means bow. So it's like a, a drawn bow. It's like large at the end. It looks like your spliff, homie. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And so that is actually depicted in the Matrix when they put that parasite oh, in his yes. belly button. That is a toxoplasmosis that they're programming him with. And he has to, one of his initiation uh, is to have it extracted from him. Uh, when he gets in that car and they suck that thing out of his belly, that's totally uh, indicating a toxoplasmosis. Does that mean the uh, the Cats musical remake was perhaps one of the sequels, the, the unofficial sequel <laughs> to the Matrix series? Well, it's, it, I'd be interested to see if they use Cats in the Templar uh, initiations because we know that they were worshiping Baphomet, right? And people are, are more susceptible to certain things. But it would make me think if they did, they I don't believe they used cats in their rituals, did they? Because I've never read Rosicrucian, no, the, the, the Knights, Knights Templar. Templar. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure that was uh, the French Knights Templar did. Oh, so that so that initiation ritual it got uh, it got put in uh, the, the king he sent in his spies. And his spies reported on the kissing of the ass, the ass of the cat. And the king put the Knights Templar on blast. He sent letters to the Pope, who he didn't get along with, but he he sent them anyways. And he sent letters up to the King of England. And he it, said, it, it, "It didn't hurt that he was uh, basically owed all of his fortune and then some to the Templars." Uh, yep, he was taking out his debts. He was wiping the books clean for sure. So he put them on blast, and they rounded up Templars in all directions. The uh, the Pope put out a decree called uh, Vox in Excelso, which is um, the voice from on high. And this is interesting because uh, Stan Lee has that Excelsio 
is like mm. his, catch, his catchphrase. He's a major initiate, yo. He's, he's we all know that. So then, so then the public found out that the cat's ass is like a dark uh, ritual that which, and they, this is the beginning of a grand the Inquisition, and all the people and all across the landscape, all out in the countryside, they rounded up all the cats and they started burning them. And this is so fucked up because the toxoplasmosis just goes into the smoke. Oh, and these shit. the people were breathing in fumigated toxoplasmosis. And the next thing you know, you got famine, you got war, you've got plagues, you've got the four horsemen riding across the landscape and rev and uh revelations came came upon the masses at that time. It was like, it was like Burning Man. Yeah, yes. The Wicker Man, yeah. Everyone yes. I was like, well, Burning Man, just getting fucked up in the middle of nowhere, burning a bunch of, you know, toxins. and It's crazy. Well, it's crazy. so, and this is why the Egyptians regarded cats too, right? They, like, worshipped cats because they, they thought cats were, I wonder, I looked up the symptoms. I didn't see anything about hallucinations, but maybe perhaps vision, you have vision problems in children, intellectual disability, Developmental delays, hearing loss. You have seizures, cross, uh, crossed eyes. You have eye. You get that pink eye, boy. You get jaundice. You got skin <laughs> rash. So, uh, you know, I'd be interested because these people do these things and they start to see it immediately, right? Some of the effects immediately. They go, "Oh, this has to be real. This has to be some right. shit that's real." So they start believing it. But yeah, I didn't even think about that. Holy shit, that's crazy. Yeah. You know something? Something that I do, I just completely irrelevant, but I want to see what you guys thought. Because um, there's a link between Ireland and Egypt, right? Ancient uh, Celtics and ancient Egypt. Uh -huh. And I was thinking the word Irish is really close to ISIS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know why. I just thought brought that up, but I thought that no, was that's great. Yep. Yeah. So the, yeah, the Egypts were really into the cats in a crazy way. And there is, there is, there's a there there for sure because, um, and this is kind of getting into some of that uh, old old wor world races kind of thing. And this is uh, this is such a rabbit hole in and of itself. But uh, essentially, uh, the phonetic sound of ur, the ur, uh, are a. They're related to the cat. It's a, a lineage of people who venerated the cats. And without going too in-depth about it, you're totally right. that the, uh, Isis is sometimes related to a, a Sekhmet or Bastet, mm -hmm. yep. depicted as a cat-headed uh, goddess. Uh, there's, this is a good story. Uh, Constantine was doing battle against Egyptian forces, allegedly. And so he told his soldiers on the front line, because he knew the Egyptians were uh, superstitious about cats, he told his soldiers on the front line to paint images of cats on their shield. <laughs> and the Egyptians, when they got close enough to see what these depictions were on the shield, they wouldn't even point their weapons towards wow. the cat. So, that's, so they, that's super fucking funny. Psychological yeah, so, warfare. Fuck them. Yeah. Took the, yep, they all got weak in the knees because they didn't even want to, you know, uh, piss off Sekhmet. And I'll point out, uh, so if you use the word the skull and bones, T-S-A-B, in reverse is Bast. Oh, wow. And Bast is a, a pet name for, for the cat goddess. Oh, wow. 
Oh, I was the thinking like Bosk. I was thinking like Basque, Basque. Bos, the ancient land. Like that's because Bos mm-hmm. Basque is really interesting. Is like a yeah, you're you getting know, into like, that Rh negative. Yeah. Oh, for the, sure. The Basques are heavy on the Rh negative. Uh, so th- this is a cool. While I'm ranting on the cat thing, I'll just bring this forward because this gives it even more. It kind of put makes it noble again. Brings it out of the underground and puts it into like a more righteous context, but um, the Jubilee Palace of Ethiopia is guarded by lions. And it has been for like hundreds of years. They've had lions living up in the uh, courtyard at the Jubilee Palace. Isn't this where the original Bible is supposed to be hidden? Yeah, man. This is some real true royalty uh, holding to very old ancient tradition. So Imagine the toxoplasmosis from a lion asshole. Lion bubble. <laughs> you'd be exactly. like super hit. You got it. That's exactly what's going on. So oh you, fuck. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, man. So if that's you want to get Yeah. So if you want to get access to the king, you gotta go through this courtyard that is just saturated with this the lion the lion level toxoplasmosis. And when you come into the presence of the king, you will either be weak in the knees and scared from the, the pheromonal response of being around these the apex predator, or if you're of a select breeding stock, you'll come in from the presence of the king and you'll stand, stand tall and present yourself. Oh, initiation. Wow, that's fucking nuts, dude. And, and this is this gives the the courtiers, the uh, the ladies of the court, it gives them the signal that you're good breeding stock. Oh. And that is because if you impregnate one of the ladies of the court, the baby will not die from exposure to toxoplasmosis. You got the right, you got the right stuff, yep. baby. <laughs> and oh. your baby will come correct. And live the full nine months in the womb because all Tiger of those, King, Tiger King. Oh. This is why Rafiki holds up the Babylon, the baby lion. Rafiki is exalting the lion over himself. No, that's Disney. No way they would put that in there, dude. Right at the initiation scene, at the opening scene, up on top of Clyde Rock, which is being the, initiated. He's sniffing cat butthole right he's on top. That cat ass and <laughs> on he's top of Mount top. Maru. Yeah, he's on top of the uh, <laughs> the seeing eye of Providence with the bird flying above like the all-seeing eye. My notes, oh. sniffing cat ass. There you go. You got it, man. I, honestly, I'm going to watch I'm gonna watch that, that opening king because that's super interesting. Yeah, uh, it, is, it, is, it is really something. And I kind of – I don't like proliferating this very much, this kind of information, because one thing I'm not down with, and, I, and if I'm going to talk about it, I should put this disclaimer out there. I'm not down with the idea that, um, you know, that we come from animals, you know, and that certain some people are related to monkeys and other people are from the lions. I'm not down with that. I think that's a bunch of bullshit. I think that's some old superstition that they're adhering to. And I don't like to proliferate it without just uh, extracting some of the truth out of the superstition from that, you know, from those rituals. Uh, and I just think that's important to, to, to mention, you know, I think, you know, they say that uh, RH positive are related to the Reese's macaque. Mm-hmm. And, 
And I think that's some bullshit. I don't think that means that men come from monkeys. I think that means that some fucking dude probably knocked up a monkey <laughs> somewhere. Trying to sniff some monkey ass. He so fucked the a monkey. monkey. Right. So it doesn't mean we're related <laughs> to monkeys. It means that that particular breed of monkeys might be related to humans. You know, they, they flip that shit. They invert it. And that's some yeah. social Darwinistic bullshit. Uh, yeah, yeah evolutionary-wise, I don't think we came from monkeys at, at all. And spiritually, right. I think maybe there's like a there's an energetic central point uh, that we might all share. Um, right. But at, like on a physical evolution, I I mean I don't I don't believe that shit either. Right, right. So where does Bigfoot play a part in this? What what is Bigfoot? What happens if you sniff Bigfoot ass? What happens then? <laughs> Disintegrate. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is one of the underlying phenomena with Bigfoot. They say you smell it before you see it. Yeah, the yep. skunk ape. Yeah, and, and 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 Thomas can. He's in the same town I am. He can confirm this. Uh, up up north of us, there is there was this rich guy that bought some Reese's macaques, and he put them on an island. And he he put him on an island, right? Because he had all this money and wanted exotic animals. The monkeys swam away from the island and, and up into the into Florida, right? Into Central Florida. And so he bought three more, put those on there. It was six, and then he bought six more. Those six swam out. So now there's an infestation <laughs> of Reese's macaques. Now, not only that, but these these monkeys, these these Reese's macaques, they have this this type of herpes when they scratch or bite somebody that's lethal 90% of the time. And so people oh. are going to these national parks here and, and these preserves and they're getting attacked by these monkeys and they're getting a, a encephalitis and their brains are swelling and they're fucking dying from these monkeys because they're getting herpes from them, dude. Here in Florida, in Central Florida. That's a fucking true story. That's disgusting. Yeah. Damn, that is trippy. Okay. That you just what a something. dick! Whoever that yeah. guy get up fucking did that. That's a dick move. That is a dick move, man. You put a that's that kind of triggers a lot of interesting thoughts. Like um, uh, the idea that uh, of sacrificing monkeys. Uh, you know, like uh, laboratory lab monkeys. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and there is a long history of you know the the regulation of of that process. And in certain places you can do it, in certain places you can't. Sometimes you got to go uh, into off off seas to international territory to do monkey experiments. Well, um, Fauci was running uh, monkey experiments as, as well, too, right? Oh yeah. Would you call him earlier? <laughs> oh yeah. What's his name? Anthanos Fauci. You know his Anthanos Faustus. Yeah, his mom's name. Her full name was uh, Eugenia, Eugenia, as in Eugenia. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, God. I thought it was going to be Baphomet or something, but that's even yeah. better. <laughs> Eugenia Lillian Abyss, A-B-Y-S. Wait, so Lillian. You, so you've got Lilith, which is a queen of monsters mm -hmm. from the Abyss, and you got eugenics. Like wow. Her name is, uh, is just very telling. Uh, uh, Roman, can you continue reading that chapter, and then yeah, we'll, we'll just, summarize it's only half that a page, so. and, and bring this episode to a conclusion because we we got plenty <laughs> on the table. 
right, yeah, I know, right, dude? We fucking blew it up, boys. Thank we went so from from Sweet. cathedrals to cat assholes. I don't know how the fuck that happened, but it happened. C-A-T. C-A-T. And if yeah. you look real close at some of those cathedral windows, they kind of have this starfish. <laughs> Illuminati confirmed. Video shotgun. Totally. It's a oh, my God. That's crazy. The brown rose window. <laughs> God. Okay. Um, also, hey, top of tomatoes. When you take the stem off the tomato, also looks like a cat butthole. Man, if this tomato don't stop, I'm about to give it to it. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! All right. All right. Here we are. Here we are. Um, Finally, the Avergina, the virgin, is properly called Root to mark that she is the principle and the beginning of the whole. Hail Root, by which the light is shown upon the world. These reflections suggested by the expressive bas relief that welcomes a visitor under the porch of Basilica, hermetic philosophy and ancient spiderous art, welcome him to the Gothic temple, the alchemical temple par excellence. For the entire cathedral is nothing more than a silent but colorful glorification of the ancient science of Hermes, of which it has preserved one of the former craftsmen. Notre Dame of Paris is in fact kept its alchemist. And I showed you guys that little, uh, it's a sketch of an actual carving. This guy is the alchemist of Notre Dame Cathedral. He, that's his name. Got the right? wizard hat there. There. Yeah, he's got the Phrygian cap. And you go here and see him. To this day, if you go to Paris, um, if driven by curiosity or to enjoy the stroll on a summer's day, you climb the spiral staircase that leads to the upper parts of the building. Walk slowly the path, dug like a gutter, at the top of the second gallery. Arriving near the center line of the majestic building, at the corner of the northern tower, you will see, in the middle, a procession of chimeras, the striking relief of the great old stone man. It is him. It is the alchemist of Notre Dame, wearing a Phrygian cap, an attribute of the adept, carelessly placed on his long hair and thick curls. The scholar, dressed in his light laboratory cape, rests one hand on the railing while caressing his abundant hand, silky beard on the other. He does not meditate. He observes. His eye is fixed, the gaze of a strange acuity. Everything in the philosopher's attitude reveals the extreme emotion. The curvature of the shoulders, the forward projection of the head and chest betray, indeed, the strongest surprise. In truth, this petrified hand comes to life. Is this an illusion? You think it was shaken. What a splendid figure it is that the old master who scrutinizes questions, anxious and attentive, the evolution of mineral life, then finally contemplates, dazzled, the wonder that only his faith could reveal to him, and how poor the modern statues of our scientists. Whether cast in bronze or carved in marble, near the venerable image, so powerful and realistic in its simplicity. And it has a note here, that's the end of the chapter, but it has a note down here. The Phrygian cap is worn by sand Kalut, constituted a kind of protective talisman. In the midst of the revolutionary hecatombs, it was a distinctive sign of the initiates. Reminds me in of this. this analysis... Yeah. Oh, that's the alchemist all day right there, bro. Yeah, the Flammarion engraving. It reminds me of this where he's peeking through that veil, baby. Just peeking through. Yep. I love that. I love hermetic art, dude. Like, that shit is my favorite. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, that's it. That's not really actually, like, we actually went through the meat of that chapter in the first part. That was kind of like just describing a statue, um, which wasn't that relevant. But, you know, this guy loves, he's like, look at that. They kept the scientists. I'm a fucking scientist, so that's cool. <laughs> but uh, other than that, there wasn't a lot of decoding to do in that second half. But, yeah, man, I think we should do this again, you know, like, I need help decoding this book more, you know, so this is good or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, no, that that was that was great. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, going it's it's awesome how you go from one thing to the next to the other and then it, you just jump around. I love doing that. That that's Falconelli and the uh, Chemical Revival. Is that the right book? No, that I have two copies of that. I'll give you one. Um that's that's a book written by someone else. Um uh, don't buy that one. Buy the mystery of the cathedrals. I made the mistake of buying the um, the the one you were talking about. I bought two copies of it, um, but it's really fucking cool. It just has a list of all these famous alchemists, basically from the 19th and 20th century, and it talks about how Falconelli was kind of like the leader of the alchemical revival of that time because you know he obviously loved um the initiate flame right the the secrecy of this old world way because he was born in 1880 or something so he you know saw like he just he saw that the way the world was going the new world order was fully on ploy in the 1800s i mean basically since the creation of america like let's be honest with each other the fucking test tube country for all the fucking bullshit that is i mean you know, like it was created for setting the new world order in place. I mean, it's and it's hermetic on its own. Oh my god, yeah. nice dude. That's yeah, like see, Jacob, oh, they got the good pictures in there. Jacob's ladder right there. You got the ladder. You got yeah, the, so nine steps. Staff. You have what looks Scepter. like is this is this a book? What is this? A book here, bro? That's the that's, that's the open, picture bro. from earlier. That's the two books. It's the open and the close. Oh yeah, man! But you couldn't see because a, I mean, the closed one is hidden behind the open book. Yeah, right here. So, that, so most of the people that walk up to this, they see the open book and they just like, "Up, oh, there's the information I need. Read it and go away." Whereas it takes, you know, it, it takes you to further to almost like ignore that open book and keep going further until you find that closed book. Right. right. And you know, I, I see that. See that ladder is like, and there's the alchemist. Look, yeah, look at that. That's a really cool statue, actually. Uh, it's like a ladder, right, that says, I'm open. Like, this is open source. You can climb this. Like, I know so the number nine in, in the that, ladder. The, you know, the crown. It, it, yeah. it goes up to his head. So, I mean, that's the Christ consciousness, if you will, the, you know, that you climb up through the initiations in order to, to go to the top or whatever. And then, you know, yeah. you have – he's is he sitting on a – yeah, he's sitting on a throne too on top of that. He's uh -huh. sitting on a chair. Look at that. Well, this this is virgin. This is a this is a lady, by the way. Oh, it's um, a lady. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't um, it was. Don't misgender. The yeah, alchemist. you fucking asshole. You fucking piece. <laughs> of shit. Um, they then. No. <laughs> what, what, one, but, thing, uh, one thing I see encoded in the one book open, one book closed, is the uh, there are I consider public and private to be two pillars in their own right. And there are many aspects of the two pillars, but definitely something to think about. One is public, which you can see, mm -hmm. and the closed one is private. And, uh, uh, that's hermetic as fuck. Yeah, and some would also uh, maybe say that it alludes to two different forms of court, that there's the public court that everybody is dealing with, and then there's a higher form of law 
that uh, only the initiated have access to a, a higher form of jurisdiction. That's, that's the teacher's guide in the background there. Right, right, right. <laughs> nice. Uh, and I was going to say one. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say that there's a documentary that I, I know of because when I was in college, our art teacher like made us watch it like three times, but it's called Houses <laughs> of Mystery, The Mysteries of the Cathedrals, and it's essentially just like a like an hour-long documentary about this exact book. I don't know if you'll be even able to find it. I looked it up on IMDb, and it's got it's almost like a ghost page, but it's there. It's it's from the year 2000. What? Houses of Mystery. Yeah, so check it nice. out. That's fucking tight, dude. Wow, I'm gonna love to look that up. Uh, yo, I would love to do my slideshow with you, Thomas, uh, on this and like do the presentation and have your because you seem to have a lot of uh, kind of information. He's or, one like, of them, bro. Stuff that will help web it. He's one of the yeah. confirmed. Okay, so you got to be careful with some, this one, me, dude. <laughs> let me get some cement, man. Let me get some little foundation built here, bro. Let me, help me build this shit up, yo. <laughs> Shit, shit ain't easy. So but, uh, that one thing I was to say, Juan, real quick before we sign off. I know, I know, I know. No, you're uh, good, bro. But you got that book open, dude. Read the fucking chapter about the Black Virgin. That shit blew my mind. These deep underground bases of the cathedrals hold these statues um, that reveal mm -hmm. that you know the original intent and use of this. And uh, it, it, I. Fucking love that shit, dude. That shit is so tight, bro. Yeah, you had some shit on that where they found a, a statue of like a Jesus Christ type of character, but it was underground. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucking wild. It makes me think of Game of Thrones when they go underneath the crypt and they got the statues of everybody there. Like that same type of thing. Oh, yeah. I've, I've never watched Game of Thrones. I bro, need to. Oh, Game of Thrones. I want to read. You know, this was before like I uh, awakened, you know, awakened. And I want to rewatch it again just to see all the symbolism because obviously, you know, it's HBO, so it's got to be uh, some sort of thing. But th these ancients back then, uh, they were all, it was all about alchemy. It was all about symbols because they understood, right? They put th these things at the front, the very front. So when people would pull up, they'd be like, all right, I'm here to do whatever. Oh, wait a minute. So there's more to this. But I, I see that as a two-edged sword because I think that can be dangerous because you're going to have a slave who is trying to... You know, this peasant who's going to try and be like, okay, so I want to awaken myself. I want to climb that ladder, the initiations, and become something more. Well, throw a, a part of this, too, wasn't just them trying to be sneaky and, and kind of keep it elitist. It was caused, like, like the quotes I was reading from before, the church didn't want you thinking in new and innovative ways. So this was a way to encode that information and tell other people, like, hey, like, we've got the goods here. If, you, if, if you've got the eyes to see it, more or less then, you know, you can come here and study and learn from us. Um, and that was just the way that they kind of had to do that so that they could, you know, stay and, like, keep their secrets in public but also keep them in secret. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, I was uh, – I watched uh, one of the Spider-Mans homecoming the other day because uh, we're about to do some Spider-Man decodes coming soon. And, <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I know that the military-industrial complex – like screens these scripts, they make sure you got to fill a quota with like at least five American flags subliminally hidden in the background per movie. It's absolutely true. You have to get you have to get their uh, authority to use guns or tanks or anything. You have right. to contact the military. So their involvement in, right. as Hollywood is confirmed. Yeah, big time. But I'm I like to think, just for my own sake, this is maybe me. Get, you know, making excuses to even watch this bullshit. But 
I like to think that they're slipping shit under that radar for those who have the eyes to see, you know, and they're like working in something that goes, that go that the military industrial complex misses and that there, you know, that there are uh, conflicting agendas being uh, expressed in the same medium of entertainment. Just something I'd like to, as, as long as there's missiles that get five to twelve year olds cheering for explosions in war, then the military industrial complex they're good. They'll sign off on that shit. Right. You can right. throw in all the sacred knowledge you want. Just make sure those twelve year olds like shit blowing up. Yeah, yeah. And something else, another part of the spell that uh, I'd like to point out is that some sort of costume is going to give you superpowers. That is the fundamental mindfuck of all the superheroes. Is Oh, if you put on this badge and you wear this this Batman belt, now you got superpowers. You can't know my identity, though. I'm going to have all these oh, powers, oh, right. but you can't know my identity. There's that public and the private. You got it. Yep. All the liability goes on the public. And all the anonymity is for the private. Good point, man. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, I really enjoyed this. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. Yeah, you better open up, bro. <laughs> so, one more time for the listeners, Thomas. Where can they find you? Then Gabe. Then Roman. Uh, share with the with the listeners right now. And for those, this will be later on the RSS feed as well. Yeah, thanks again, guys. This was awesome. Um, ParanoidAmerican.com. Uh, go to Amazon. Just search for Paranoid American. Got a bunch of coloring books, comic books, all kinds of cool stuff. And then Paranoid American on Instagram. Nice. Yeah, Slick Dissident on YouTube. Uh, that's my channel. And you catch me on the Weaving Spiders Saturdays and on Wednesdays. We do a flow state where we read books and do art. Homie Romy's been over there with us a couple times. Oh, Juan, I got to get in on that. That's yeah, awesome. you guys got to come on over. Come on over. Bring the goods. You know, we can make it a 2.0 of what we started here for sure. So uh, that's uh, where I hang out. Also, I'm on the Interverse with Chance Garten pretty regularly. So that's where you find me. Roman? Uh, yo, um, Rising from the Ashes podcast, uh, anywhere you get podcasts, wherever that's streamed. We started doing uh, monthly topics, so we'll dive into topic a month. This month is Atlantis, Lemuria, Lost Continents. Um, we just released a new episode with author Marco Vigato. Um, cool motherfucker. If you guys are into, I mean, obviously, go. everybody loves Atlantis shit. This is going to be great. I'm going to be on um, there, bro. I'm going to be on the roundtable for Atlantis. My, you already know, baby. Yep, 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 yep. Tight. Thank you, guys. That's, so, Thomas, it was great to meet you, brother. Yeah, likewise, likewise. Yeah, you got yeah. you got to be careful with this one, Roman, because he's he's one of them. I'm I'm treating him with precaution, so he's my co-host. But until <laughs> further, no- those, those white gloves. That's right, <laughs> bro. I'm, fin- I'm finna find a lodge, man. I, I I ain't trying to hide no more, dude. Like I I I'm, I'm with Thomas, bro. I'm like I'm not trying to sign up, man. Illuminati confirmed. <laughs> so They're not allowed to solicit anymore. So you got to go and knock on their door if that's you're interested. Right. That's right. Okay. Make sure to follow me on social media at the Juan Juan Podcast everywhere. YouTube. Make sure for the listeners in the audience now to like, comment, subscribe to the channel, and thank you for everyone showing up. I really had a lot of fun, and we should do this again. This is a really solid group, and it's just amazing how we can come together from just texts of information. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, you know, bring forth all these crazy ideas. So Yeah, brother. Can I get a <laughs> Thank you everybody. Love you guys and until next time.